Probably the coolest thing you've ever seen on live recording. George can breathe. Let's podcast. I am single. I did get drunk. I did buy Tinder Prime and I fully regretted it. But yeah, here we go. <laughs> Little Messi drove my nana to drink. Yeah, he sells Hot Wheels out of his jacket. <laughs> I'd like to think that he knew that John Terry was a huge Saturdays fan. And like Campbell's Soup is a, is, a, is a big deal. Pele is Jay from In Between Us. Luigi, don't quit your day job, mate. Who do you think is more handsome? Xavi Lasso. Pirlo. If you say it, say it with chest. Sorry, you just have to guess. <laughs> do you want to go to the toilet? You ever seen a baby pigeon? Uh, he's, he was good mates with Pablo Escobar from what oh. I read. <laughs> Mara who, sorry? You're a pair of twats, you know that. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Nostalgia FC Podcast with your host, me, Drew. And me, George. This usually would be the podcast where we get a guest on and have a chat with them about their favourite team ever, but this is the Challenge Series. So welcome back to the Challenge Series. Today's challenge is what, George? It's players that become managers and have to be good at both. Yeah, now that's a that's a big one. They have to be good at both. So there are some managers that you think, wow, they have to be in, but it has to be a combination of good player and good manager. Yeah. Not just one yeah. or the other. There's going to be a lot of controversial decisions in this podcast. and we, get, we do have a long list that we'll go through at the end of what we chose from. I'm sure we've missed some out, but yeah. This is the challenge series. It is a challenge. This one, again, was a challenge. The last one we did was the Alliteration eleven. Yeah. yeah. Slightly slight different flavour today. More of a thinky one today. So let's get straight in. Yeah, let's do it. Goalkeeper. The goalkeeper of this team, previously a player, now a manager, is the legendary Brazilian goalkeeper, Rogério Saini. Yeah. Now, Rogério Saini, I'm sure you're aware, if you listen to this podcast before, we have spoken about him is the best goal-scoring goalkeeper of all time. And he scored an insane amount of free kicks and penalties. <laughs> and is also a terrific manager, which you might not know. He's managed in Brazil. Uh, he managed a team called Fortaleza. And he got them promoted from Serie B in Brazil in 2018. And he won some other cups with them too. And then he went to Flamengo. And he won the league with them in 2020 and the Supercopa de Brazil, the Campeonato Carioca. Uh, and then he went to Sao Paulo, won the Florida Cup, uh, which I don't know what that is, but he's, he won that too. And then as a player, old Rogério, and this is absolutely insane. He was in the World Cup squad when they won the World Cup. For Sao Paulo, he made 1,136 First team appearances. That's insane. Like that? What? How do you do that? Like, so his career lasted pretty much twenty five years, from like nineteen ninety to twenty fifteen. He played for two different teams, Sinop and Sao Paulo, and then played seventeen times for the Brazil national team. Yeah, can we just, can we just point club, out though? Can we point out a goal scoring goalkeeper? He scored no goals for Brazil, so it's pretty poor, pretty poor effort from him. Not gonna lie. <laughs> Couldn't take it to the international stage. Yeah, to be exactly. fair, I imagine he was fighting over free kicks with Ronaldinho at that point. So, ah, nah, probably nah. <laughs> and Roberto Carlos. So probably why he didn't get a chance. Yeah, yeah uh, right. But 1,136 appearances for Sao Paulo and 113 goals, which 
like if it was any other player, you'd say, oh, that's not a great conversion rate. But when you think that he's a goalkeeper, it's actually a terrific conversion rate of yeah, goals it, to games ratio. But it's a good like com- conversion rate if you're a defender as well and you're playing outfield. This guy's in goal. Yeah, true. Yeah, true. So and then yeah, moved on to management and and had well has had relative success in yeah. the early years of his managerial career. He's only seven years into his managerial career, but you know he's won trophies. <laughs> And as the other, only other goalkeeper option we had for this was Jose Mourinho, who was not a very good goalkeeper, but was a very good manager. That's why we've gone for Rogerio Saini over yeah. Jose Mourinho. He doesn't stay at teams that he's managed for very long, does he? Bearing in mind he does well no. with them. He probably wanted to manage Sao Paulo as that is his team. Yeah, I think maybe as well. He spent yeah. so much time at one club when he was playing. Now he's managing, he's like, right... I've done that whole loyalty thing. I'm just going to go everywhere and anywhere now. <laughs> yeah, fair play. Right. So, there's the there's the goalkeeper who used to be a manager. Sorry, used to be a player. I need to stop doing that. Used to be a player. So, the next one, we're going to the defence. And we'll start yeah. at right back. And it is my favourite manager of all time. You might be able to guess who it is already. Jürgen Norbert Klopp at right is that, back. Sounds middle name. That is his middle name. Norbert <laughs> is his middle name. That's great. <laughs> That's a good name, isn't it? So, Big Jürgs, Jürgen Klopp, obviously a very, very good manager. World-renowned. Changed Liverpool Football Club. Uh, turned Liverpool into world beaters, which we hadn't been for 20 years. And Jürgen Klopp has turned them into an elite footballing team. Absolute force of nature. And... At the time of recording, they're still in the hunt for the quadruple. I don't think they'll do it, honestly. But they are in the hunt. And Jürgen is a massive part of that. But you may not know this. Jürgen Klopp was a defender when he played professional football. His senior career, he played for... Ah, played myself here. FC Pavorzheim for four That P's got to be silent. That P Eintracht. has to be silent. <laughs> for, yeah, probably. Forzheim. Uh, Eintracht Frankfurt second team, Victoria Singlingen, which uh, I think is folded, Rottweiss Frankfurt, and then he moved to Mainz uh, in 1990 and played there for 11 years, made 325 appearances and scored 52 goals, which for a right back slash centre back is pretty good going. Yeah, but here's a fun fact about Jürgen Jürgen Klopp that I learned in his uh, unofficial biography. Yeah, when he was playing at Mainz, they had a bit of an issue with their manager at the time. So Jurgen Klopp became a sort of player manager from right back in like 2001. And that's how his managerial career started, because he sort of did player manager. So there you go. So another fun fact about Jurgen Klopp, when he was playing at Mainz, when they were losing and struggling in games, he became makeshift striker and went up front. I'm assuming he was still as tall as he is now. Uh yeah, 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 I think so. I don't think he's gotten any taller since he's gone into his 50s. <laughs> I don't know, some people might. <laughs> but like, what I'm thinking is like a Fellaini role where it's just like, you know, with United, they just stuck yeah, him up front yeah. and like, right. No, no, I Assuming think that's he... Uh, so many goals then. Yeah, yeah, I think so. There is there is a footage of him scoring an absolute worldie when he was at Mainz and it's like on the edge of the box, right foot volley into the top bins. Terrific goal. And he had like his floppy hair. Yeah, he looked great. Proper 90s looking footballer. 
And obviously, he's gone on to become <laughs> a world-class manager, Borussia Dortmund and Liverpool. <laughs> Fun fact, according to teams that he's managed, uh, in 1987 and 1988, he managed Eintracht Frankfurt's under-13s while still playing professional football. Nice. In fact, he did that... Why not, eh? He did that whilst he was playing for Eintracht Frankfurt's second team. So he was a player manager for the under-13s, but he was, like, 18. But yeah, what a what a managerial career though. Yeah, unbelievable. He may have been a good player, but like he's had he's had probably one of the better managerial careers so far. Yeah. Absolutely. And like he's just signed a new deal at Liverpool and like that yeah, he could he could end he could end up being Liverpool's most successful manager for me. Bob Paisley yeah, obviously did it big, a lot, but big up his Klopp. wife, by the way. <laughs> yes, Ula is a red. Big up his wife, because she she was the one that said, what was it? I love this story. I hate Liverpool, obviously, but I love this story. It's something like, they were in the kitchen. She was like, are we really going to leave these people? Yeah. And that's what made him stay or something like that. And that started the conversation. And then I think this is a testament to the man himself. We could spend a lot of time on Klopp and we'll move on in a second. But his contract, like obviously most people that have a new contract, they renegotiate terms, get more money. Considering the success he's had, you'd think, oh, he's entitled to more money. He didn't want any more money. He just wanted to extend the deal. He just wanted to stay for longer. Kept the exact same terms. Did he not take any more? Didn't take any more money. Just had the same terms. Just said, give me two more years. And then we'll talk about that in two more years' time. So it's like a rolling two-year extension now. I was about to be like, wow. Wow, what a selfless guy. He's he's already on a lot of fucking money. I don't know what I'm on. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it's not like he's he's getting a tenner a week. Yeah, he's. uh, I'm sure he's fine with the money he's on. Right. Big Jürgs, obviously, That's funny. I love him. But let's let's move on from Jürgen Klopp. On to the first centre-back. Now, the first centre-back <laughs> is slightly less good than the other centre-back. But, you know, still decent. It is the current England manager, Gareth Southgate. Now, Gareth Southgate obviously played centre-back for Crystal Palace, Aston Villa and Middlesbrough in his career. Made 503 appearances. Scoring 26 goals, 57 caps for England, and scored two goals for England. Uh, obviously, he is famous in an England shirt for missing a penalty, um, which haunted him for his whole career. I was going to um, say, he's like, really turned himself from villain to hero. Absolutely, yeah. That that hero arc has definitely come around for old Gareth. He's obviously taken England to the semi-finals of a World Cup and the finals of a Euros in two successive tournaments, which is a massive feat if you think about where England were before. And also probably one of the favourites to win the World Cup as well. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, they won't make it out of the group stage because when Wales yeah. make the World Cup, they'll put them out of the group. <laughs> Wales and USA will go through in England. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got to get there first, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll cut that bit out. <laughs> cut that, cut that, cut that. Uh, but yeah, a good player. Not, not a great player. A good player. Uh, you know, a solid player, I'd say. He played for some big yeah. teams in England, played under some big managers. Um, he's worked with some amazing players in his managerial career. Obviously, his managerial career is Middlesbrough, England under-21s, and England. But if you think now, in 2013 to 2016, he was England under-21 manager, and now he's gone forward to being the full-time England manager for the past six years. The players he managed in the youth yeah, set have now players. come forward. Yeah, and it shows. I think it shows that they trust him, which says a lot for an international manager because you don't see much of them. You see him, what, three or four times a year? And then the rest of the time he's just sat in the stands yeah. watching, watching, trying to scout the next sort of players. But 
I think he's a great manager. I think he's a bit, bit of an easy job, really, isn't it? You just get free football tickets, sit in a hospitality yeah. seat, watching yeah. players and go, oh, I'm watching them to make a decision. You've made your decision, mate. <laughs> yeah. Just fancy a jolly on a Wednesday night. I don't think I would want the England job. Not not for the obvious reason, but I don't think I would want the England job. The pressure that comes with that and the way he's handled it is incredible. Oh, my God, yeah, the... The fans are relentless. They probably are yeah. with a lot of international teams, but England's one we see it with most. But they're relentless, like so yeah. bad. It's just the expectation because England have the best league in the world, and then or perceived best league in the world, and then as a reflection of that, everyone assumes that the English national team should be on the same level, should be challenging for all the trophies, all the tournaments. Yeah, and obviously it doesn't always pan out that way. But with Gareth Southgate, it seems to be that they are challenging. They do play good football. He has an over-reliance on certain players, I think, but I still think he's a good manager, and he was a pretty good player. Yeah, I I agree. Shit penalty, though. <laughs> it was a bad penalty. Have you seen the pizza advert? There's a there's a pizza had a pizza so advert from the mid nineties. Oh, is where... it the one with Stuart Pearce in it as well? Yeah, yeah. They all take the piss out of him. Maybe he's got a bag on his head or something. I, don't, I can't remember what it is, but we'll find that somewhere and put it on the socials. But he. Yeah, he got absolutely rinsed for that penalty miss and it haunted him for years. And then, obviously, when England got through in consecutive tournaments on penalty shootouts, everyone was like, the case is lifted. And then it, it was not when uh, they lost to Italy on penalties in the final of the Euros. Yeah. Just I mean, forever cursed. I was going to say, if you're going to lose a final, there's there's a better... No, there's not a better... Way, no. I don't know. I don't know how you'd want to lose a final. Probably 10-0 to like show that, okay, yeah, we didn't deserve it. Yeah, just, just like, fine, done. That's fine. We yeah, won. so you, there's there's absolutely no doubt in your mind. Whereas now they're just like, oh, we definitely should have won that. Yeah, um, they probably right. should have as well. Right. So moving across the back line, we're going to go to our next centre back, which is Ronald Koeman. Great, great manager. Also, a fantastic player. Um, also, another high goal scoring defender. Yeah, if I'm right, absolutely. I've seen yeah, so many. Absolutely. I've seen so many clips of him with long range efforts, free again, free kicks and stuff like that. Yeah, well, 535 That's... appearances at club level with 194 goals. Yeah, he he That's did move to midfield though, didn't he? He did. Yeah, I think he played like yeah. holding midfielder, didn't he? But I mean, if you look at the teams he played for, Groningen, Ajax, PSV, which is a bit controversial, even from Ajax to mm. PSV. Yeah, very. And then Barcelona, and then back to Feyenoord. So he's played for the three biggest Dutch teams. Um, so you know, I don't know if he, don't know if he's well liked in Holland. If that's the case, <laughs> I don't know. But um, and then obviously he played seventy eight times for the Netherlands national team. He's managed the Netherlands national team, and then the list of teams that he's managed. So he was the assistant at the Netherlands and Barcelona. Then he managed Vitesse, Ajax, Benfica, PSV, Valencia. RZ Alkmaar, Feyenoord, Southampton, Everton, back to the Netherlands and then back to Barcelona. It's really weird. The arc of his managerial career is really odd. Like it's, yeah. it's sort of like going up and it's like, oh, we're always gaining traction. He's gaining traction. Southampton, Everton. Oh, Barcelona. <laughs> it's like really weird. Well, I think as well, he must have a really good agent or he's living off his name because he did, he did well at Southampton, got him a move to Everton. Did not do well at Everton. No, no, no. Famous well, for think... signing players like Davy Klassen that didn't work out for him. But then, um, somehow, managed to get the Netherlands job when the Netherlands have got one of the most exciting squads in Europe. Yeah. And then I gets the like... Barcelona job. How's he done that? I feel, I feel like 
the Everton job now is like cursed, almost. Yeah. Because it's yeah. people just seem to go there, struggle, and leave. And like big, big yeah. managers have gone there. Like Coburn went there, Ancelotti went there, Rafa Benitez went there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Frank Lampard's gone there. Frank Lampard, like a big, big mm. manager, but. <laughs> Yeah, but that's Shot what I mean. Like, horror, he's probably not in this team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we said good managers, not managers that <laughs> propel their teams further into relegation battles. But yeah, I think with it, with the Everton job, and then even when he went to Barcelona, since obviously he's been sacked since um, when he went to Barcelona, he was only there for a season. And there was a, a clip of him, and I think they're it's a really intense game they've got, and it's a really important game for them trying to get Champions League football. And then he walks onto the pitch in loafers with no socks. <laughs> and the fans, apparently it's in all the Spanish newspapers just calling him a dickhead for wearing loafers with no socks on the side of a pitch in the new Camp. So, like, And it's a really trivial thing, but I think it's really funny that he got absolutely slated for that. That's so good. I have never seen that, <laughs> but I'm going to find it after this. That's really funny. Yeah, he got absolutely rinsed, didn't he? I, I might be wrong, but he, I think he might be becoming the manager of the Dutch national team again. Oh, really? What, for the World Cup? Ronald Koeman will succeed Louis van Gaal as the Netherlands manager after the end of the World Cup. Oh, after the, after the World Cup? After the World Cup, yeah. So Louis van Gaal's oh, going to okay. manage the World Cup and then he'll join after. But again, how the fuck's he managed that? He got sacked from Barcelona and they're like, ah, oh, come back, Ron. Come back. <laughs> so what's up? <laughs> right, well, from one famed Dutchman to another... Onto the left back. Uh, the left back is current Rangers manager Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. What a what a player! Yeah, a, a terrific player. If you look at his appearances, he must have been struck by injury because he didn't actually make that many appearances for big teams. Started at Feyenoord, uh, went on loan to RK, RKC Walwig. <laughs> Walwijk, Walwijk, yeah. They went to Rangers. Where are they? Uh, then to Arsenal. Uh, Holland, I imagine. Oh, Dutch, yeah. uh, Rangers, then Arsenal, then on loan to Barcelona, then signed permanently for Barcelona, and then joined Feyenoord, and then that's where he retired. And then since then, he's gone on to manage Feyenoord, Guangzhou R&F in China, and is now the Rangers manager, and has got Rangers, miraculously, to the Europa League final. That's insane. That's insane. Insane. I mean... I mean, probably a lot to do with the manager that was there before, possibly. God, Stevie. God, Stevie. Yeah, because as much as I hate to say it, he he did wonders at that club. But yeah, yeah you've, still, you've, still got, I think, but... you've still got to get them there. But it'd be, it'd be so cool to see them win the Europa League. I'm really rooting for them in that. Yeah, I mean, you saw it like him at, at full-time whistle when they when they won against... Uh, who they playing the other night? RB Leipzig yeah. the other day uh, when they won like, he was straight on the pitch running around because obviously he played there as, in the 90s as a player he's well liked yeah. there already and he was running around with the fans and the fans were absolutely loving it Ali McCoyce was dancing so, what an atmosphere for Rangers but yeah I think as a player then turned manager even though he's not had a particularly long managerial career so far what he's done is incredible he won the Eredivisie in Holland in 2016-17 uh, yeah. for Feyenoord they won the what was like the League Cup in Holland twice, uh, and then the Johan Cruyff Shield, which is like the charity shield, twice as well. And yeah, now he's moved on to Rangers, and obviously first season at Rangers, they 
I think I think as we're recording this, Celtic have just won the league. I'm fairly sure. But if you'd offered Rangers at the start of the season, come second and win Europa League, they would 100% take that. Oh yeah, thousand percent. Europa League, like, that's yeah. insane. So, yeah. What a guy! So obviously um, a terrific manager, terrific player. Yeah. Very famous seen... uh, goal that he scored. One of my favourite goals I've ever seen. World Cup 2010. And he absolutely scorches one from left-back position round about just past the halfway line, like 35 yards out, and he smashes it in and out into the top corner from absolutely nowhere for Holland in the World Cup. Unreal goal. I think one of the best goals I've seen. Absolutely world-class finish. And yeah, one of the original bombarding left-backs. I think he's a terrific player. Yeah, he was. And obviously a very good manager as well. Okay, so now we're going to move on to midfield. We've got a central defensive midfielder, so you're sort of your holding midfielder. We've got the greatest comeback in football ever for his hair. It's Antonio Conte. Because, <laughs> <laughs> my God, wow, what happened there? <laughs> well, I imagine it was some sort of surgery that... Uh, uh, yeah, it's a lot of money, isn't it? Like, it's not something that happens to us average folk. It's... Uh, <laughs> no, I think he made a, a brief trip to Turkey at some point, I reckon. But yeah, yeah, I mean, Antonio Conte, more famed for his managerial career now, I think, because the amount of teams he's managed and won with, high-profile teams that he's done well with, and then obviously also, as a player, played 81 times for Lecce, uh, and then moved to Juventus and became one of Juventus' best-ever players. He captained them mm-hmm. to a Champions League and five Serie A titles, as well as other trophies they won. He played for the national team and came runner-up in the 1994 World Cup and the UEFA Euro 2000. And then he started at the bottom, really, of, not the bottom, but like second tier of managerial, sorry, second tier of Italian football for his managerial career. And then has worked his way up to becoming like one of the most successful managers of modern times. Yeah, 100%. The arc of his managerial career has somewhat gone down a little bit. <laughs> with me yeah, just a little bit. Which uh, the funniest thing at the moment, um, I don't know if anything will have moved forward once this comes out, is the fact that there's the whole talk of ah, oh, Pochettino won't be at PSG next year. He's not going to be there. And Conte straight away is like, I'll do it. I'll do it. And it's so funny yeah, that he's so in. quickly, put me in, he's so quickly trying to escape from Tottenham. He's not even been there that long. <laughs> well, it, it's because when he was into last season. He won the league and then left because they wouldn't buy players that he wanted and they wouldn't back him in the transfer market. Yeah. So then he went to Tottenham and then Tottenham have gone, yeah, we're not going to back you in the transfer market. Sorry, Ant- Sorry well, Antonio. And he's like, well, right, fuck off then, I'll go to PSG. They're quite well known for doing that as well. Like Mourinho had that issue. Yeah, Daniel Levy. That was documented. definitely not. Yeah, literally there's a documentary on it. Obviously <laughs> Conte was not, doesn't have an Amazon Prime subscription. He wasn't watching. Yeah, he's Netflix all the way. <laughs> Actually, no, he's probably a Disney Plus. He's a Netflix Ultra. <laughs> you reckon? Yeah, I can see what's Disney Plus. I bet he loves a bit of Moon Knight. Yeah, yeah. Right, so his, his managerial career, he started at Barry. Uh, fun fact about Barry, their their logo is a chicken. Uh, also, that. not Barry as uh, in Wales, Barry. <laughs> no. Not the Gavin and Stacey Barry. Not, not Barry <laughs> Island FC. <laughs> He started his career, his managerial career in the Cymru Premier North, <laughs> South even. I uh, know. So <laughs> he started his managerial career at Barry uh, and he won Serie B, uh, got him promoted to the 
Serie A in 2008-2009 season. Uh, when he was at Juventus, he won three straight Serie A titles and a Supercoppa Italiana in 2012 and 2013. Moved to Chelsea and he won the Premier League in 2016-17 and the FA Cup the following season. Went to Inter Milan, won the Serie A title and they came... Uh, and they also got to the final of the Europa League in 2019-2020 and lost in the final. Uh, and then has moved to Tottenham. <laughs> and will win. Where he will never win a trophy again. <laughs> Until he goes to PSG. Yeah, I think he's a terrific manager. Like you said, his hairline comeback is miraculous. <laughs> if not paid for, probably paid for more than, rather than miraculous. If it was oh, yeah, miraculous, I then sure. I might start believing because... That that's gotta be from another the, world. The side by side like pictures of them. Have you ever seen it? Where he's got that awful comb over. Yeah. That like I don't know at what point he was like, yeah, this is working, because it's so <laughs> like it's so not. It reminds me of um, you know, an American Hustle. Have you seen American Hustle? Yeah. Where Christian Bale's Christian character Bale's like hair. sticks sticks a toupee on and then combs his hair over that. It's that, but without the, the toupee on. <laughs> Yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, I think it was when he was playing, wasn't it, that he just had no hair, and then all of a yeah. sudden he came back to manage. and was like, oh, Antonio, how have you done this? Maybe it's just I'd like he wasn't to... heading the ball anymore. Yeah, I like to think as well, someone asked him, and he was just like, what do you mean? What do you mean? I've yeah, what? I've always had hair, what are you on about? It's like, Antonio... It's always a... looked like this, I don't know. It's like, there's a lot of video and photo footage of it not looking... No, 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 no. That was a choice, that was a choice. No, you're wrong, you're wrong. <laughs> right, so, again, from one Italian manager, well, from one Italian player to a manager, to another. And this one is very prominent in the world of football today as he's just led his Real Madrid side to the Champions League final again. It is Carlo Ancelotti. Carlo Ancelotti, famed midfielder for Parma, Roma and AC Milan. Made 338 appearances, 35 goals. Only 26 appearances for the Italian national team with one goal. But if you look at his managerial career, unbelievable. And again, got to be one of the best. Rather strangely, Everton make an appearance. How did Everton yeah. attract these managers? So, <laughs> assistant for Italy. Then he, uh, Reggiana, Parma, Juventus, AC Milan, Chelsea, Paris Saint Germain, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, Napoli. Everton <laughs> and then Everton fans will all go mad going oh yeah Carlos come here because we're going to be well good and then Real Madrid will be like hey Carlos like, yeah, see you later guys <laughs> have a nice time I'm going straight out the door that absolutely wasn't two thoughts in that in his household was there he got, he got the phone call and it's yeah. like hey uh, Carlo it's Real Madrid yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's Florentino yeah don't say any more Florentino I'm coming <laughs> Wait, it's a championship side? Oh, it's probably still better. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, so sorry, Everton fans. Managerial. <laughs> I'm not sorry. Uh, his list of honours. So, as a player, he won Serie A three times: twice for AC Milan, once for Roma. He won the Coppa Italia. One, two, three, four times for Roma. Won the Super Coppa Italiana for AC Milan. Won the European Cup. Twice, won the European Super Cup twice, won the Intercontinental Cup twice, came third place in the World Cup in 1990, and then as a manager, 
He's won the Intertoto Cup. Now that's nostalgic as hell. The Intertoto Cup. What a tournament Inter-toto that was. Intertoto Cup. He's won. For AC Milan, he won Serie A, the Coppa Italia, Super Coppa Italiana, the Champions League twice, runner-up very famously in the 2004-2005 final to Liverpool. Uh, UEFA Super Cup, FIFA World Club Cup, and then for Chelsea, won the Premier League, the FA Cup, the Community Shield, won Ligue 1 for Paris Saint-Germain, won La Liga for Real Madrid, Copa del Rey, Super Copa de España, Champions League, Super Cup, World Club Cup, Bayern Munich, the Bundesliga, and the DFL Super Cup twice. That is an unbelievable resume for a player. What I imagine you like were applying for a job and that's your CV. It's like, yep, yeah, it's ridiculous, isn't it? He's also like, in the. If he goes for a job. Who who turns him down? I mean, no one, surely. Everton didn't. <laughs> Sorry, no. Um, he's also in the AC Milan Hall of Fame, Italian. Uh, football Hall of Fame, AS Roma Football Hall of, Hall of Fame. So he's won a FIFA Coach of the Year as well. He's also been a runner-up. He's just, yeah. he's insane. He's absolutely insane. Possibly the best choice on uh, this list, but... Yeah, unbelievable. So next to Ancelotti, his uh, midfield partner will be Didier Deschamps, World Cup winner both as a player and a manager, which uh, I don't know if anyone else on this team can say, which is pretty special. No. Unbelievable! What an achievement yeah. that is. Imagine that, like nineteen ninety eight wins the World Cup, and then you're like, right, that's the pinnacle of my career. Fast forward thirty years, and he's like, well, oh, just won it as a manager. Yeah, and no, no biggie either. <laughs> like what? Yeah, like meh, whatever. I also, I like, I don't think as well. You know that um, French squad had that uh, after they won the World Cup. They had that big parade around a stadium where some guy was rapping all their names and rapping about them. In my yeah. head. Deschamps there, just like, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> what is this? Because it's not the sort of thing that I can imagine he would have been into. <laughs> you never know, he might be massive into French rap. <laughs> I don't think so, but he might be. Yeah, he could be. It could surprise me. Fun fact about Didier Deschamps, he has a fantastic nickname. Uh, so he was nicknamed by his teammates as Le Portier de O. Which means the water carrier. So essentially, he was the water boy. So what I'm picturing now in a film of Didier Deschamps' life, it's going to be played by Adam Sandler doing an impression of the water boy. H two O. Why? Why? I've no idea. I think it's just because he was carried the ball. I don't know. Maybe he was big into hydration. Oh, have you seen who gave him that nickname? I've just seen it. No. Eric Cantona. Ah, there you go. That makes a lot of sense. So it explains it a little bit. (laughs) Eric Cantona was probably smashed and then Deschamps was probably carrying a bottle of water like, Eric, drink this, drink this. You need to sober up. (laughs) Oh, bless him. But yeah, I mean, we can go through a list of all of his achievements because he's very similar to Ancelotti in the fact that he's won a lot as a player and then a lot as a manager. But I think the main thing to, to focus on there really is he's won a World Cup as a player and as a manager. There's only three players who have won the World Cup as a player and as a manager. Mario Zagallo, Franz Beckenbauer and Didier Deschamps. Uh, The only two to do it as captain and manager are Beckenbauer and old Didier. But yeah, that's that's incredible. Like, Like, there must be something in it where at some level to become that good of a manager after being that good of a player 
Yeah. It's got to be like a mentality thing or an like intrinsic thing. I don't know what it is. As well, with where he played, it's like being central midfielder. You are literally central of the whole pitch and like you're yeah. watching the whole pitch. You've got to have that good football mind and like brain. So to become captain as well, like he must just have a great, great football in mind. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of great football in mind, let's move on from old Didier to his uh, international compatriot. Actually won the World Cup with him in 1998. It is old Zizou. He's got to be yeah. up there with the most appeared player most chosen players on this podcast now, but how can you not put him in after all the Champions Leagues he won for Real Madrid, the La Ligas, everything? Yeah. Um, I mean, you are right in the fact he's appeared so much on our podcast. You also removed someone because of how much he appeared on our podcast. <laughs> that's true. That is true. You removed but, Steven Gerrard. But also, I, I did sort of think the other... Like Steven Gerrard's early in his managerial career, whereas these guys yeah, have really absolutely. sort of shone. Yeah, yeah, I think it would have been very obviously biased if I just gone, Steven Gerrard's the best manager ever. He did an unbeaten season for Rangers, then finished 13th at Aston Villa. Woo! <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, so I think he's got a lot more to prove. I think he will prove it, but... Yeah, but yeah, I think, you know, it is what it is, isn't it? Like, he, if you compare the managerial careers and just general careers, you can't compare these two because as a manager... Zidane has won two La Ligas, two Supercopa de Espanas, three Champions Leagues. I should say three straight Champions Leagues, which is absolutely insane. Uh, and then the UEFA Super Cup and a FIFA World Club Cup twice as well. Just yeah, pure dominance in the Champions League for like three years straight. No one could get near them. Teams thought they could get near them and then they just pulled something out of the bag. Like the finals against Atletico, where they scored in like the very last second of the game, just yeah, yeah, he's he's just a next level manager. Obviously, he's out of the job at the moment, taking his time to his next managerial career. He'll probably just wait for someone to vacate the Madrid job and go, hey, do you want me back again? I can come back what? for a third time if you like. It's it's so funny because it says teams managed and it's got a what I assume is Real Madrid's like B team, the Castilla. Yeah, yeah. And then he goes straight into the Real Madrid job. And then he's out of the Real Madrid job for a year. And then they were like, oh, do you fancy coming back? He's like, yeah, okay. And does it again. Just like... <laughs> well, just as a manager and then as a player as well, these are some of his personal records. Uh, he was the most expensive footballer for eight years. Between 2001 yeah. 2009, he was the record transfer. Uh, he's the oldest player to win the, Ballon the World Cup Golden Ball. Uh, 34 years and 17 days. Most goals scored in FIFA World Cup final matches. Three goals shared with Pele, Vava and Jeff Hurst. Oh, Most FIFA World Cup final matches scored in two matches. Pele, Vavana and Paul Bretnier. Most red cards received in a FIFA World Cup match. Two shared with Rigobert Song. Jeez. Um, yeah, just an insane list of things. Then as a manager... Best winning streak in the history of La Liga. 16 games in a row shared with Pep Guardiola. Uh, he has the most consecutive way wins in the history of La Liga with 13 games. Manager with the lowest number of defeats after 100 games. Eight losses in 100 games in his first 100 games as Real Madrid manager. That's insane. Oh my God. <laughs> What's his win percentage? And like, it's high. Comparatively, it's difficult to manage to say the expectations are different because if you go to Real Madrid, you expect to have stats like that. Like if he if he'd said to me like oh he lost thirty of his first hundred games lost for Real Madrid, you go oh 
that's not good. He'll probably get sacked for that. So the expectations are different. And obviously, the the caliber of player that he can manage is a lot different to some of these other players that we put in here. But you still got to put it together. You still got to do it. You know, it's a difficult job to manage the egos. He is renowned as a good man manager, which is funny because on the pitch, he's <laughs> obviously quite a volatile character in certain instances. Yeah, Matt hasn't translated to manage his managerial career, which is quite refreshing to see. Yeah, he's a good man manager, but he he hated uh, our beloved Gareth Bale, though. <laughs> he did, he did hate Gareth Bale. So you know, but do one Zizou. So you're wrong. Mm, mm. So let's get forward into them strikers. There are two, so we've gone for a four-four-two, bit of a narrow four-four-two. The first striker is. Another striker, another, sorry, another player very close to my heart. It is the king of Anfield himself, Sir Kenny Daglish. What a player. So, Kenny Daglish uh, started his career at Celtic in 1969, made 204 appearances, scored 111 goals. Then, in 1977, moved to Liverpool, and played there for 13 years, played 335 times and scored 118 goals. 102 appearances for Scotland with 30 goals. And then since then, uh, has managed Liverpool, Blackburn, Newcastle, Celtic, and then back to Liverpool. So, obviously, as a player, one of the greats of Scottish football, one of the greats of Liverpool Football Club history, and, you know, he's a massive figure around the club still. And then, as a manager, he won the first division as it was before the Premier League became a thing. Three times for Liverpool, won the FA Cup twice, won the Football League Cup once, Football League Super Cup once, the Charity Shield uh, five, four times, then they won the Premier League for Blackburn, which was an incredible achievement at the time and still is an incredible achievement, won the Scottish League Cup for Celtic when he was the caretaker manager, and yeah, just a great manager, a great player, great guy. I love King Kenny. Yeah, I mean, I'd... I'm still confused about his second stint at Liverpool in the fact that I think it was like 10 years after he'd finished his managerial career. He just went, yeah, why not? Yeah, I th- we were in a bit of turmoil at the time, to be honest. Um, so he was working within the club already. When Benitez left, we were sort of like struggling to look for a manager. So basically he was like a uh, just a caretaker manager until they got to the yeah. end of the season and then got someone else in charge but he and he was always he was always going to be loved as well there was never a doubt no matter what he did yeah he was never going to dent his legacy no absolutely not he's probably one of Liverpool's biggest legends exactly he? and he brought Lewis Suarez to the club so there you go go on Kenny there you are I can't imagine he had much to um, do with that to be honest but yeah what a player I don't know how, <laughs> I don't know how like real this is but on on Wikipedia I'm looking at his individual uh, accolades and in 2020 he got voted as Scotland's greatest international footballer, right? Which makes sense. But what I sort of confusing me is, does that mean Scotland are like, we're not going to get any better? Oh, yes, they just decided never now. getting a better player. <laughs> he is our greatest player ever. We're never getting better than him. <laughs> I mean, fair play. It'll be hard to get better than him, but it's just quite funny that... Yeah, I guess. That's like Wales when they decide, like, yep, yeah, our best ever player is Ian Rush. And then Gareth Bale comes along and goes, watch this. So Scotland, Scotland <laughs> yeah. just waiting for their watch this. I don't think Che Adams is going to take the title off him, to be honest. Yeah, I don't think so either. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I think you pretty much said 
everything they can be about Daigrish. He uh, did you say he was a runner up for the Ballon d'Or? Yeah, I didn't say that, but he yeah. was. And then like he won Liverpool's first trophy in eight years when he came back. He won the League Cup in twenty twelve. Yeah. Signed some amazing Liverpool players that went on to have amazing careers at Liverpool and elsewhere. Just uh, he did sign Andy Carroll yeah. though, so not <laughs> hit and miss. But like I said, hey, Andy Carroll's a great yep. player. Scored some overhead kicks in his time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like I was saying, like with Daglish almost being like a caretaker manager, to still just go on and win the League Cup when Liverpool are in a drought of trophies is pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely, and that's a big deal to us. Like that, winning yeah. a trophy, regardless of whichever trophy it is, you still want to win trophies. Otherwise, why are you playing football? Everyone wants to win trophies. Yeah, exactly. So speaking of trophies, Kenny's strike partner <laughs> has won a hell of a lot of them. So Kenny's strike partner is the legendary Dutchman himself, Johan Cruyff. Yep. Now, everyone knows Johan Cruyff for the Cruyff turn, for being an amazing striker, scoring 291 goals and 514 appearances for as many teams, including LA Aztecs and Washington Diplomats. Great great names. Um, yep. But, little-known fact about him, he was also a very, very successful manager. So, We've spoken about his playing accolades before, so we're just going to focus on the managerial side here. Johan Cruyff, here are his managerial achievements. At Ajax, he won the sort of the equivalent of the FA Cup, but in Holland twice, and the European Cup Winners' Cup. And then, went to Barcelona, and he won four straight La Liga titles, a Copa del Rey, a Super Copa de España, European Cup, European Cup Winners' Cup, European Super Cup. If, if you pile that on top why, of his, why not, yeah, yeah. If you pile that on top of his three Ballon d'Ors and all of his many, many professional accolades from when he was a player, it's very hard to not put him in this team. Which is why we did put him in this team because yeah. unbelievable achievement as a player and as a manager. I always think as well, you know, people say with Ronaldo and Messi, like, oh, there's never been someone who's dominated the game that long, and but he's won, he has won three Ballon yeah. d'Ors. This guy, yeah. I, He's absolutely insane. Yeah, and I think as well, just like the, the, like the, I don't know how to describe it. Like just like the aura around Johan Cruyff is like an untouchable footballing legend. You know what I mean? Like even if he was a terrible manager, it wouldn't affect his stature as one of the greats of English of of football. Yeah, just just amazing, amazing. You know what he did do? Go on. He got very high in the list of Pele's top one hundred twenty-five players in the world. I believe he was third. Came second. Behind he Pele. was second. <laughs> was it behind Pele? Who was first? I want to know that. It's, actually. It was Pele. <laughs> <laughs> oh my uh, god. Yeah. That is gold. <laughs> That is so funny. <laughs> he actually put himself first. Well, I don't, see, I don't know if Pele made this list or whether it is just like titled Pele's list. But yeah, it was Maradona was third, <laughs> Johan Cruyff was second, and then Pele was first. That's so funny. Yeah, you got to back yourself. Pele was the ultimate man of backing himself. I mean, there's no doubts that Pele was a great player, but fucking hell. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Pele's going to Pele. That's so funny. That is so funny. 
Right, well, oh. there we go on that bombshell. Uh, <laughs> we'll wrap up this team. So, <laughs> there obviously are a lot of managers that used to be players that didn't make the 11. So, we'll run through some honourable mentions for you. Uh, Mark Hughes, Kevin Keegan, Pep Guardiola could have got in there. Graham Souness, Andrea Perlo, David Moyes, Thierry Henry, Roberto Martinez, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, yeah, good one. Frank Lampard, yeah, no chance. Uh, Vieira, Sean Dyche, uh, Filippo and Simone Inzaghi, both managers. Uh, Arteta, Hasselbank, Chris Coleman, Gary Speed, both the Neville brothers, although they're both equally terrible managers. <laughs> um, Xavi, Steven Gerrard, Dennis Wise, Scott Parker, Gattuso, Rob Page, Sam Allardyce, Alan Pardew, Steve Morrison of Cardiff, Robbie Fowler, Roberto Mancini, Steve Bruce, Roberto Di Matteo, Stuart Pearce. There are many, many more. Many more. Yeah, there's also, before before anyone gets annoyed that like someone wasn't included in this, it is players and managers that are good at both, like we said at the beginning. Yeah. It's like Steven Gerrard being in there, he hasn't quite proven himself. Um, Gary Neville not being in there is because he was shocking. Yeah, Frank Lampard the same. <laughs> same. Turns yeah. out being a good player doesn't make you a good manager, but sometimes it does. Absolutely not. Yeah, in these eleven instances, it does. Yeah. So there could have been many more. I always, I always think, I always think, and this is something I'm, I'm like uh, hill I would die on. If you're a footballer, all you can really do is go into management, coaching, or punditry, right? If you're bad at any of them or all of them, what do you do? Try the other one. That's <laughs> what Gary Neville did. Gary Neville's like, think... I'll be a manager. Oh, no, can't do that. Back to punditry. Yeah. But that's what I mean. What if you're not good at any? Because I feel like there's some people like, uh, I'm trying to think of an example, but end up on like talk sport because they're not quite good enough to be a pundit, but they're just sort of there yeah, I arguing don't know. with fans who ring in. <laughs> Yeah, that uh, Stephen Cundy, whatever his name is, the guy that was going up about yeah. Villarreal. Yeah, I don't Stuart know. Pierce, Stuart Pearce is one as well. Yeah, true. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I guess it, you just have to do something. <laughs> right then, so we'll go back through this right, team. I've got, go on. Can I just, can I just before, well, we can do this afterwards so you can have a little think about it. Because usually, on the Style FC, we usually pick a manager. Obviously, this is manager and players. I think you pick your player manager from this team. Right. I've got it already. Oh, okay. Well, let's go through the team first. All right. And then you can... <laughs> All right. So, start at the back, the goalkeeper, the great goal-scoring goalkeeper himself, Rogerio Saini, with a back four of Jurgen Klopp, Gareth Southgate, Ronald Koeman, and Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. Yeah, then we move into the midfield, where we've got the holder midfielder as Antonio Conte, the two central midfielders as Carlo Ancelotti and Didier Deschamps, and the attacking midfielder as the great Zizou himself, Zidane Zidane. And then the strikers... Sir Kenny Dalglish and Johan Cruyff. So you asked who would be the player manager. It's got to be Carlo Ancelotti, yep. right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, they're all they could all do it, but I think Carlo Ancelotti. Maybe they just take a game each. Yeah, they, yeah, exactly. <laughs> kind of like a democracy where they all rotate around. It's like that scene in Monty Python and Holy Grail where they discuss how they're running the government and they've just got a rotating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> people that go into lead for for a bit. But yeah, there we go. Never in my life did I think Monty Python would have been quoted on this podcast. But there you, you host the podcast with me. Of course, that was going to come up eventually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that that is there you go. Our second challenge in the bag: the players that became managers and had to be good at both. That was the the challenge yeah. there. 
But yeah, there we go. So that that concludes us for another week. Thank you very much for listening. If you did enjoy this episode, uh, you can go back and listen to all of the other episodes. We've got the rest of the challenge series. We've got our Euros special series. We've got our regular feed of guests listing their favourite ever uh, teams and players from history. That's the nostalgia element of this podcast. Uh, and also, you can go follow us on socials. Now we have the socials on every channel. George, what are they? Uh, on TikTok, Instagram, uh, we're on Facebook. The, basically, everything is at NostalgiaFCPod. Oh, and Twitter. And Twitter. Uh, then our email address is NostalgiaFCPod at gmail.com. I have now found the logins to everything. Oh, yeah. Great. Back in the game. Uh, and I'm posting again, and we'll be making videos once more on everything we're recording. Oh, yeah. Especially with our new recording software. Oh, so. yeah. And new cameras and new stuff. We're taking this seriously now. We're going for it. So, uh, tune in next week where I believe we'll have another challenge for you. Uh, next week's challenge is going to be the random numbers 11. So, we won't delve into that too much. You can think about that. But the random numbers 11. Um, so, join us next week for our next challenge. In the meantime, go follow us on socials. Give us a rating, subscribe, like, do all that fun stuff. Tell your friends. Get everyone coming back to the Nostalgia FC podcast. Uh, and we'll keep cheering out this content for your listening pleasure. So, that was... Our players that became managers, 11. And what a team it was. What a team it was. Quite a challenge. If you don't agree with a lot of our choices, um, get your own podcast. <laughs> but don't copy our... And don't at us. Yeah, and also don't get your own podcast because we're trying to make something of this. If you do it, then you might be better than us, so please don't. <laughs>